Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We are a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Welcome to church. If you're new with us this morning and if it's your first time or maybe you've just been here a couple of times, just want to echo Debbie's welcome to you and say welcome you here for a reason. God had a reason why you rocked up this morning. If somebody dragged you to this place and you thought I'd end up hating it and now you're feeling angry because you don't, just chill out. And uh, welcome guys. Good to be with us all this morning and um, we're in for a great year. We really are. Are you expecting for what God is going to do in us, through us, uh, because of us this year? And uh, I, was, I was reading the other day some weird stuff. Okay, I, I do read weird stuff. eBay was founded in about 1997. eBay is an online auction platform. eBay has got some weird and wonderful stuff that's been sold on it. Did you know that? I looked up, I googled, what is the weirdest stuff that's been purchased and sold on eBay. Like, what, what, are, what sort of things are people looking for and, and buying? Check this out. Here's the weird list for eBay. One time, a grilled cheese sandwich with the face of the Virgin Mary in it was sold. In 2004, for a staggering $28,000. Now, this sandwich was said to have had magical powers. Says the woman who made the sandwich. <laughs> A ghost in a jar was put up for auction on eBay, and the owner said that he would not be held responsible if the ghost escaped from the jar, and that all sales are final. After numerous bids, the jar sold for $55,000. But luckily, to bring some sanity, the owner or the buyer never actually paid for it in the end, and some other dude bought it for $1,209, which is... In 2000, a man from North Carolina put on auction on eBay the meaning of life. He only managed to get $3.26 for it. A 10-year-old girl from England, listen to this, tried to sell her grandmother on eBay. <laughs> she, she described her grand as annoying but cuddly, but the, the site had to take it down because it amounted to human trafficking. Like you... You cannot sell your granny on eBay, okay? Britney Spears' bubblegum that she chewed and then spat out at a concert in Wembley in the year 2000 got sold, the winning bid, 14,000 US dollars for Britney's bubblegum. Some guy auctioned off his liver on eBay. Apparently there's good money in, in body parts. The bid, listen to this, the bid reached 5.7 million US dollars, but they had to take it down because it's illegal to sell organs on eBay. You know what, when I read that, I thought to myself, people are seeking all kinds of stuff. We're looking for all sorts of, I mean, the fact that you'd go and search for the meaning of life on eBay. People are looking for all sorts of weird and wonderful things, aren't they? We're in a series called First Things First. Last week we spoke about how it is that when Christ comes, He makes things new. You can't mix the old with the new. You can't put a new wineskin, a patch of a new wineskin onto an old one because the patch don't match. Does anybody remember that? 
If the only thing you remember is the Patchstone match, I'll go with that. But Jesus, this week, he gives us some excellent first things first seeking advice. He Kind of like you don't have to settle for Britney's bubblegum. There's some stuff we should look for in our lives first up that will help us. Matthew 6.33. Now let me, let me preface what I'm about to say and what about we're about to read. So don't put it on the screen just yet, guys. If you've been a Christian or been in church or Christ follower for a number of years, I please, I'm begging you, don't turn off when I put up the scripture now. Because you've probably heard it read in church gazillions of times. I have too, but I haven't had it well taught to me. And this morning I want to try and do that. You can be the judge at the end as to whether or not we succeeded in that. But if, you, if you're new to church, this is revolutionary advice that Jesus gives us. Not that I give it, Jesus gives us. Here we go. Matthew 6.33, in the New International Version, it says this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What are the, all these things? It's all the stuff that we need in our life and that we worry about. Paychecks and bills and provision and food and stuff, right? He says, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, has, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the TPT, the Passion Translation, he says, so above all, Constantly chase after, because Jesus knows we chase after stuff. Hey, Chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important, please notice he doesn't say unimportant. He says less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time, tomorrow will take care of itself. Now, when I read that, or I have that read to me, when I engage with that scripture, I feel frustrated. And maybe you do too, because it sounds like fantastic advice in theory, but in practice, it's so hard to put into practice. How do I not worry about tomorrow when I've got bills to pay and kids to feed, etc.? You know, Debbie told the story of taking her dogs for a walk. That happens to me when I take my kids for a walk. <laughs> Anybody relate? So this morning I'd like to ask and offer three answers to these questions. I'd like to ask three questions and hopefully give you an answer to each of them. Number one, why is it that we should do this? It sounds like God is being selfish. Seek first my kingdom. And then all these other things will be sorted out for you. Why would we do that? How do we do it? And what does it actually mean? You're ready to go. Remember, if you take notes, it's clinically proven. You'll go to heaven. Okay. In 1988, the, gross, uh, the, the top-grossing film at the box office was a movie called Rain Man. It starred Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Check it out. I mean, that is a young Tom Cruise, eh? 
Although when you look at Mission Impossible these days, you're like, how is it that he still looks so good? It's Botox, it's, it's all of that stuff, hey. Anyway, here's him when he really did look young. Okay, so Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise stars a guy called Charlie, and Dustin Hoffman stars a guy called Raymond. Now, it, it actually won Best Picture, the Oscar for Best Picture in 1988. Raymond and Charlie are brothers. Unbeknown to Charlie, Tom Cruise, his father passes away and leaves an inheritance to Raymond, played by Dustin Hoffman. Up until this point in time, Tom Cruise, Charlie, had no idea that Raymond, his brother, even existed. He had no idea that he had a sibling. His father leaves, he passes away and leaves $3 million of an inheritance to Raymond and tells Charlie, by the way, the inheritance is with Raymond, and by the way, he's your brother. So Charlie and Raymond, the story is the story about these two brothers learning to get to know each other, coming together through the circumstances of this inheritance. But Raymond, played by Dustin Hoffman on the left, is autistic, highly intelligent, fairly high-functioning in terms of the autism spectrum, but absolutely fixated, as many autistic people are, fixated and focused on very specific things that have particular importance to them. For Raymond, his life consists of his TV program called The People's Court, which he watches religiously, Cheetos, his snack, and apple juice. You cannot get Raymond to look aside or deviate from these three things. His brother enters his life, and far from wanting to help his autistic brother, actually all he's trying to do is get the inheritance out of him. He tells him, he says, you are now a multi-millionaire. You've got $3 million, which in 1988, I mean, it's still a lot of money, but in 1988, it was even more. You're a multi-millionaire, but Raymond doesn't care because he's fixated on his Cheetos, his apple juice, and his TV program. Raymond trades the freedom that a $3 million inheritance could have given him. He trades the freedom for the familiar. I was reading about this guy called Roy Murphy. He's 43 years of age. Couldn't find a picture of him because they they don't uh, put these kinds of pictures up. He's just recently gone back to prison. He first went to prison at 19 years of age and did time until he was 41. When he got to 41, they let him out. They let him out and pretty much immediately, a couple months after that, he began to figure out he didn't know how to live on the outside. And so he he began to think, look, I'm better off on the inside. At least I know how to live on the inside. And so what he did is he went to a store, a grocery store. He robbed the grocery store. He didn't even go with a gun. Just said to the cashier, hey, give me your money. She said, like, what's this? Is this a a robbery? He's like, yeah, this is a robbery. Give me your money. So she gives him the money and then calls the cops. And 10 minutes later, they arrest him. He goes back to jail. And when they were talking to him and interviewing him, they said, what's up? He said, I just don't know how to live on the outside. And so he traded the freedom for the familiar. I thought about that in our lives. I wonder if we don't sometimes do that. Trade the freedom that we could have in Christ for the familiar. You say, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the mental freedom that we could have. The mental freedom from worry We trade it for the familiarity of worry. We know, I know how to worry. And so I stick with the familiarity of my worry rather than embrace the freedom. 
Let me answer the question, why would we seek first the kingdom of God? Because Jesus knows that if we seek that kingdom, we'll finally leave the kingdom of me. And we'll be free from the kingdom of me. What's the kingdom of me? Worrying, obsessing, Cheetos, apple juice, people's court. I want to go back to prison. That's the kingdom of me. Why? Because it's familiar. He says, if you could leave the... Jesus knows we'll never be free in the kingdom of me. And so he invites us into another kingdom. The kingdom of God. Which then begs the question, well, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus knows that this would be a better way for us to live. He knows that there would be mental freedom from us, for us from worry if we would seek first the kingdom of God. But this is what I found so frustrating is, well, what is the kingdom of God? If we're to seek it first, then what is it? I don't like the kingdom of God and then it's not defined. What is it? I'm like a... I need a box, man. Can I put it in a box? Well, luckily for us, Scripture always interprets Scripture. God never leaves us with something and the inability to understand what it is that He's talking about. So if you go to Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the kingdom of God is there defined. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. Quickly take it down, guys, the scripture, if you don't mind, just focus on me for a moment. Stop and pause there. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not what we eat or drink. In other words, it's not the temporary. It's not the material. It's not the external. It's not the visible. He says these are not unimportant. He just says these are less important. Are you tracking with me? I need some amens out there. So he's saying it's not what we eat or drink. Right. can put it back up, guys. Thanks. He says, but it's of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There it's defined, but I'm still left a little none the wiser. Let me unpack this for us a little bit he says the kingdom of God which we're to seek first is not the external I'm, I'm tracking so far there it's not the material it's not the temporary it's not the stuff we usually worry about what we eat what we drink the bills we've got to pay the kids to feed and get through school all of that he says it's not that now he says it's living a life of goodness of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit let me unpack this for us two things happen to us the moment we come to Jesus and we make a decision to follow him trust him with our lives the moment we make a decision to open our lives to him his spirit comes the spirit of Christ the Holy Spirit comes into our lives he begins to enter us and he begins to work in us and he begins to work in us and through us and two things happen. The kingdom of God starts to be birthed in our lives. The kingdom of God is activated two ways in our lives. 
Number one, it's received by us. And number two, it's produced by us. Are you with me? Me unpack that, received by us. He says the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness or goodness, peace and joy. That is received by us the moment we make Christ our Lord, our Savior, the moment we make Him the one we follow, it's received by us. Let me explain. Goodness or righteousness, wholesomeness, holiness, uh, goodness, uh, perfection, the holiness, the perfectness of Christ, that is received by us the moment we place our faith and trust uh, in Christ. It's what's called imputed righteousness. God looks at us and he sees Jesus. The holiness, the goodness, the, 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 the perfection of Christ is, is put upon us. It's like a jacket that we put on. The moment we come to, do you know the moment you make a decision to follow Christ, Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, he doesn't see you. He's, and that's what we call the imputed righteousness of Christ. The goodness of Christ is received by us. It's like we're clothed with it, right? It's like it's put on a, and, and, and that's what we wear. We wear a new identity. We don't wear our altar. We wear him. Are you with me? That's why I say it's received by us. Peace. The, we receive peace with God. We're at peace with this God who loves us. The peace of God comes, is received by us because we now no, no longer have to worry about his, his judgment. We have peace with this God who loved us and created us. Joy. We have the joy. We know the joy of a forgiven past and a future that's secured, a future that's set free. When, when you and I open our lives to Christ, when we make a decision to follow Him, when we ask Him in, when we give Him control, when we surrender ourselves to Him, when we give Him our will and our time and our talent and our treasure, when we give Him the stuff, we receive the kingdom of God into our lives. We receive the identity of Christ. We receive the joy of forgiven sin and we receive peace with this great God who loves us. The, the, the war is ended between our sin and God. It's, there's peace time. But not only do we receive the kingdom of God, when you and I open our lives to Christ and when we invite Him in and when we begin to surrender ourselves to Him, when we give ourselves over and ask Him to be fully in control of our lives, not only do we receive the kingdom of God, we start to produce the kingdom of God with our lives. Righteousness or goodness. We start to become more like Jesus. We, start, we never get there. We're never perfect the side of heaven. But we start to look more like the perfection of Jesus. Our anger starts to evaporate, starts to lessen. You find that Oku cut you off in the traffic. Previously, you would have taken a a baton and smashed his car. Now it's gone down to a mild swear word. <laughs> Next year, you just flip him a bird. <laughs> Following year, you mumble under your breath. The next year, you, you're like a, you're like a, you're like a cool, calm, collected oak. You look at him and you give him a high five and 
Yeah, bless you. Eventually there's a blessing. <laughs> Find your racist way of thinking starts to change. Start the greed that you and I had it starts to evaporate. We start to produce goodness in our lives and joy. We, we begin to know joy. Not happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is like whether or not you got the job or not. Joy is regardless of whether you got the job. You've got, there's, a, there's a deep wellspring of life in you. And peace. We begin to become peacemakers. You know, Christmas, those family do's where the extended family that comes along and you're normally fighting with them. Now you're like, yeah, let's just chill. We start, we start to become peacemakers. How do I know this is produced in our lives? How do I know the kingdom of God is produced in our lives? Because Paul, the same guy who wrote this definition of the kingdom of God, is the same guy who told us in his letter to the Galatian church that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, in other words, what he produces in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus is telling us there's a different way to secure the life, the things that you need in your life. There is a, there is a different way to feel secure in life. There's a different route you know, when I drive through beautiful parts of our country, now I've got two kids in the back, and so I always feel a bit frustrated because I have to take the most direct route. You know, the toll route. Because I have to take the quickest and the one with the most wee stops along the way. Which one's got the most engines? That's the one I've got to take. But I, I know that there are more beautiful routes to take. Like, we're down in the garden route. Oh, I wanted to take the Prince Albert Pass over the Otaniqua Mountains. Because you see different stuff. Instead, I've got to go with where's the engine. <laughs> I feel like life like that's a little bit like that for us sometimes. Jesus is saying there's a more beautiful route to feeling secure in life. There's a more beautiful route to the things that we are concerned about. You know, the temporary and the material and the external and all the things that do matter. Jesus never for once says they don't matter. He just says they're less important. You know, there's a different route to that stuff. That you can be free from the kingdom of me. The king, that, that kingdom that worries about that. That kingdom that's always thinking about that. He says, if you would leave that kingdom and seek after, pursue, look for, chase after the realm of God's kingdom, which is love, uh, peace and joy and righteousness, goodness. If, if you and I would turn our attention to living that way, Jesus knows it's no good to say don't worry and don't give us something else to do. Don't you hate it when people say, oh, don't worry about that. I'm like, 
Well, then give me something else to do because I must fill the worry with something. All right? He says, instead of the worry, turn your attention, turn your mind, turn your gaze to living a life of goodness, of peace, of joy. And then when you do, you'll find all these other things taken care of. They will be sorted out for you. Let me give you five hows this morning on how to do that. Five areas where we can get to substitute the kingdom of me with the kingdom of God. You ready to go? Firstly, and Pastor Rick Warren put this little acrostic together. This is not mine. This is his. Finances. So it spells first. Finances. Now, what I'm going to do for each of these letters that spell first, five areas, F-I-R-S-T, five areas where, we, where, we, where Jesus is saying, if you really want your life to, you should substitute the kingdom of me for the kingdom of God in these areas. What I'm going to do for each of these areas, I'm going to try and summarize what I think the broadest uh, biblical counsel is in one word that I think really matters in that area. So when it comes to finances, what is the Bible in its entirety? If I had to say to you, what, what's the whole body of scripture telling us to do when it comes to our finances, it's to honor God. Honor God with the first fruits of your wealth. If you want to substitute the kingdom of God in your life, and if you want to substitute it from the kingdom of me, when it comes to our finances, let's honor him with it. We never bring our tithe, we actually return it. Because it was his in the first place. We give offerings, but we return our tithes. Now, Anna, listen, it's hard to honor God in January with your money, hey? Because it's one of those months where there's more month than money. So this is now where the teaching, hit, the rubber hits the road. This is where you either apply it or you don't. This is where you either take this teaching seriously or, or you don't. Or you, or you say, uh, I'll skip that one. Can you move on to the eye, please? Let's be honoring in January with our money. Why? Because people say, why do you talk about money in church? Because it's the single biggest discipleship issue that anybody, any of us battle with. What's the litmus test of whether somebody surrendered their life to Christ? It's whether they've surrendered their money to Him. You can stand on your head, do flick flacks, but that's the answer to that question. How do you know if somebody really trusts God? They trust Him with their money. That's the litmus test. The I stands for interests. In other words, um, our hobbies, our careers, uh, the, the things we do for fun, the, the, the directions we take, the paths we walk, the things we pursue in life, our interests. If I had to say to you, church, what is it that I would say the one word that Scripture counsels us to do when it comes to our interests, what is it we should do if we're going to substitute the kingdom of uh, me for, for the kingdom of God? I would say it's this one word, it's surrender. Jesus stood in the Garden of Gethsemane on the eve of his suffering and he said, Father, not my will, but yours. I'll surrender, I'll surrender what I want to do for what you want me to do. And that has application in our work lives and uh, in our business lives and where we live and what we do and the things we pursue and the people we pursue and all of these things. The R stands for relationships. Are you being helped this morning? If I had to think to myself, what's the word that I think that summarizes relationships in Scripture? I couldn't think of, well, I, 
There was one, but I, I thought this one's better. Be selfless. To be selfless. If, hey, you know it. If you're selfless in your relationships, if you put the other person first, your marriage is better. Your friendships are better. You know, you know that friend that you haven't heard from for a while? There's a reason why you might not have heard from them for a while. Because any time they phone, all you talk about is you. It's like people have lost the art of friendship. It's gone so quiet in this. You all okay? The S stands for schedule. This means that we're given the first part of our day. Hey, we, we get up and we sit on the side of our bed and we say, God, if I don't get anything else done today, you know, I just want to love you a little bit more, get to know you a little bit better. Which word... Would I say scripture counsels us to put into place if we're going to substitute the kingdom of me for the kingdom of God? When it comes to our schedule, I think the word is prioritize. The psalmist encourages us, in the morning I will seek you. It's not good news if you're not a morning person, eh? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not so much the time of day, it's the, it's the, it's the heart behind it, hey? The T stands for troubles. You know, when it comes to our troubles, prayer should not be our last resort. I think the word that we're encouraged to pursue in this area of our lives, when it comes to substituting the kingdom of me with the kingdom of God, I think the word for our troubles is pray. It's to pray. So Prayer Connect actually happens this coming Wednesday, everybody. It's the 23rd of Jan. This, can you believe it's going to be the 23rd of January already? But we, this is not some, prayer, listen, prayer connect is not something we attend. Prayer connect is something we engage in. The, prayer connect is being the church. So we, we're going to come in, there are going to be six areas we're going to pray powerfully through in our lives. We're going to be praying for our families. We're going to be praying for our businesses. We're going to be praying for the work of God in us. What, he, what it is that he actually wants to do in us. Our own spirituality. What it is that we're trusting God for in our lives. We're praying for our finances, for our health and our healing. and It's going to be an incredible time. Prayer Connect should be the time when we all gather together. Prayer Connect is not like a, oh, maybe I'll come on a Wednesday. Prayer Connect is, God, I want to seek the face of heaven. I want the windows of heaven to open in an area. Could you, could you touch my life in that area? So it's going to be an amazing evening as we kick off. We've, we've called it Pray First. So I don't know about you, sometimes I pray last. When I get to the end of myself, then I pray. Like, okay, God, now could you sort it out? It's like, I, I could have sorted that out a lot quicker. Anybody else relate? Let me give you a couple of practical things this morning as we wrap up. Tomorrow is 10 days of prayer and fasting across the whole church. Boxburg, Edenville, everybody is going to be praying and fasting for 10 days. Because we want the work of God to start in us before the work of God happens through us. And so you might say to me, well, what does it mean to, well, like, what's, what's it to fast? Is it something a Ferrari drives? Yes. And that, and, and other. Fasting is a spiritual activity. It's a spiritual thing we engage in to, to purposefully um, remove stuff in our lives, deprive ourselves, if you like that word better, of, of things that we get used to and attached to, physical things 
that we get used to. So, for example, you can fast food. You could fast lunch or supper or you know, breakfast, lunch, and supper for a day and then another meal the next day. Or you could fast solidly and just do liquids for 10 days. Or, I mean, that's intense. Um, or <laughs> but there are some people who will be doing that. I believe that. You could fast TV. You could fast Netflix. You could fast coffee. You could fast chocolate. You could fast salt and vinegar chips. You could fast... <laughs> could fast your phone. Let's start a hashtag on the Thrive Church Facebook page called hashtag fast your phone. Come on. Let's see how much we can get. Some of you, some of you, your hearts have just started to beat really fast. Fast social media. But, but the point behind fasting, the reason behind it is any stuff that we get used to, we want to say, let, let's take that out of our lives so that every time we crave it, we want it, we turn our minds and our hearts to heaven. And we say, God, I, I, I want to honor you in this area. I want, to, I want to show you, God, that I can do without this in my life. I, I want to put you, I want to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to seek first a life of goodness and peace and joy rather than the external, the temporary. Are you with me? So, I'm, I'm not giving you announcements now. Don't think I've gone into announcements church news mode. I, I'm giving you the practical application of this message that you've just heard. If you want to be serious about it, then 10 days of prayer and fasting is going to be an amazing exercise for us all to do together. You can still sign up on the website today if you want to. And if you do, then you'll be sent some regular encouragement throughout those 10 days just to help you through it. Everybody okay? Prayer Connects actually, we've put it specifically in the middle of those 10 days so that it's a time not only where we're coming together to fast and pray, but Prayer Connects in, in that slot. So we, we, we come together as a church to do that. There's a team night happening. Again, I'm not going into church news mode because I know you, Muchus. Okay. I know you. If it gets into announcements, you're like, ah. I'm, not, I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is I'm giving you practical outworking of the message. If you want to put God first in the area of your schedule and you want to give Him your time and your talent, then team night's happening. It's next, uh, not sorry, not next Sunday, two Sundays time. 3rd of February. If you've got ADD, 3rd of February. If you've got ADHD, 3rd of February. 3rd of February, Sunday night, here at the church, you get a chance to, if you've never served before, it's for all of our volunteers, right? Everybody in every team, it's for everybody. But if you've never served and you want to, and you say, hey man, I, I want to come and be part of an I serve team. I want to serve somebody. I want to help make this thing happen. Then we'll introduce you, we'll help you. All you need to do is arrive and we'll, be, we'll look after you. The first thing you'll do is get lots of caffeine to just set the evening off well. It's after the 10 days of prayer and fasting, so we've done that specifically so we can give you coffee. <laughs> but on a serious note, if you want to apply the message, that's how you do it. Join a team. Get part of it. Get plugged in. As a church, we seeking first God's kingdom. We're seeking to make space to reach more people. You can see how packed it is. First service is full. Second service is full. Evening service, 5 p.m. starts on the 10th of Feb. I'm not giving you announcements. I'm telling you how we're working this me message out. 10th of Feb, can I hear some Woo! Why is it at 5 p.m.? 5 p.m. is the most fantastic time to do church. 
Because many of our families, they do have to get to school or sporting activities. You know, in the old days, like in the old days, not when I was a kid, like when Pastor Steve was a kid. Um, he would, nothing was open on a Sunday. Hey, it was just kerk. The only thing that was open on a Sunday was the kerk. Now it's the bottle store and the cake. Now you've got to compete with the bottle store and the... <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> but but many, many people have sporting activities. Their kids have got sporting activities and stuff on a Sunday morning. Many people work on Sunday mornings. They do shift work on, on Sunday mornings. Many people have got like kids' functions and parties and stuff like that on Sunday mornings. Life has just changed where that stuff's now a reality in our lives. Uh, many people, the only time, because they work all day Saturday, the only time they've got to do shopping and get themselves sorted out for the next week is a Sunday morning. Because some of the shops still close at lunchtime. So we've created a space at 5 p.m. Where if that's your life, the 5 p.m. service is going to help you massively. It's going to be the same service as any other service. So the morning services and the evening services will be identical. Same message, same preacher, the whole deal, right? Except for the launch service on the 10th. The 10th is going to be a special service in the evening where everybody can come in. No matter if you've been to the morning, you can come to the evening because we're going to launch it and we're going to have a summer party and it's going to be a party on the deck and it's going to be amazing. So it's going to be cool. Um, but 5 p.m. means that if you've got young families... You can get the kids, we finished with church quarter past six. You can get your dinner here at the church. Eat it together as a family and then be at home ready for the, the school week by seven o'clock, quarter past seven. If you want to watch carte blanche, you can actually get home by seven o'clock. I heard somebody call it fart blanche once. Because there's so much hot air. If you're a carte blanche fan, I apologize on behalf of those people. <laughs> so, so 5 p.m. is an, an amazing, an amazing time. Anyway, so that starts on the 10th of February. All we're doing is we're just seeking first. How is it we can move more people towards Jesus? Why, why do we want to move people? Because everybody can find life and peace and purpose. Everybody can find life and peace and purpose. Everybody can find life and peace and purpose even those who have to work on a Sunday morning even those who've got sporting things on a Sunday morning even those who, who've uh, only got a Sunday morning to, to do their stuff Sunday everybody can find life and peace and purpose so we're just creating space for God to move let me tell you quickly about Brother Jan Brother Jan not like Jan Pirovit and not like Jan van Nierbeek not like that Jan okay Brother Jan why you in? Amazing Chinese pastor, massively effective Chinese pastor, pastored the church through its most, or one of its most severe times of persecution in Chinese, in Christian Chinese history. This is an amazing man. One day he gets thrown in jail. He, he endured so much persecution, beatings and torture and needles shoved under his fingernails and uh, starvation and just terrible stuff. One day, they chuck him into prison. Then they decide, no, prison's too cushy. They put him into a box. It's a box four feet long, three feet wide, four feet high. They put him into this box. He prays a prayer. He says, God, could you send me a Bible? He says in his book um, that he wrote, he said, it's a crazy prayer. 
because the very reason he was in church was for possessing a Bible. Uh, in jail was for possessing a Bible. Why would God give him a Bible? He's just been chucked into jail for a Bible. True as Bob, the next morning the Chinese gods open up his box and they throw him a Bible. He falls to his knees. He says, thank you God for this gift. Now, I don't know about you. I would have been praying a different prayer. Like, God, get me out this box. Hey, wouldn't you have prayed a different prayer? Like, would you get me out of this box? He doesn't pray that. What does a life that seeks first the kingdom of God look like? Doesn't pray for the material. Doesn't pray for the temporary. Doesn't pray for the external. He prays for a life of peace, joy, and goodness. He prays for God's word so he can be all God's called him to be. Jesus knew the better way to live. Seek first this kingdom. You'll be free from the kingdom of me. And guess what? All this other stuff be taken care of so beautifully. Why would you do it? Because it's a better way to live. Because you can have mental freedom. How do you do it? You substitute the kingdom of God with the kingdom of me in your finances, in your interests. In your finances, in your interests, in your relationships. What was the S? Forgot schedule. And T, your troubles. What is the kingdom of God? Pursuing a way of living. Of goodness, peace, and joy. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus. 